have to eat it. Food, everyone loves it. No matter where you are in the world, it plays an important part of our daily lives. Beyond sustenance, food is how we bond, express care, and share our culture. In this edition of the podcast, we will explore the dynamic between food and the people of Prague. How have tourists impacted the gastronomical landscape of Prague? How do immigrants adapt their culture and their recipes? How do Czech families use food to preserve their cultural heritage? How have communism and nostalgia shaped modern dietary preferences? What kind of unconventional foods are specific to Czech culture? Stay tuned, and we will dive into all this and more. I'm Shirley Chayadi. And I'm Evan Hankey. And welcome to Progcast. The Czech Republic is home to many strange and macabre things, from the Church of Bones, known as Sedlak Ossuary, to the giant metallic babies which crawl up the Zizkov TV tower. But the mysterious Trdelnik, a seemingly innocent dessert one can find sold all over Prague's old town, represents a new kind of paranormal. A rather shocking hybrid of a donut and a churro, a blend of sweet and savory, the Trdelnik has recently skyrocketed in popularity. Walking through the streets of Prague, one cannot escape the hypnotic spiral of the giant plastic Trdelnik hung above the many shops where they are sold. Join us as we attempt to uncover the true nature of the Trdelnik. What is your name? Stefan. Stefan? And what is Trdelnik? Well, Trdelnik is kind of sweet pastry. It's kind of Christmas pastry, which starts to be sold all year. The dough is like basically like donut with cinnamon, with vanilla sugar, peanuts and almonds here and then you can choose any filling you want like Nutella or ice cream or some fruits. And do Czechs buy this dessert a lot? Yes, they do because, you know, it's kind of traditional pastry. They like it but, you know, they buy it mostly during the Christmas and winter at all, not in the summer. And do a lot of... Is it mainly tourists that buy from your store? Yes, it is. Mainly tourists. Like 99%. 99%. And why are there so many Turdelnik stands in Prague? <laughs> you know, well, that's kind of famous thing here in Prague. And you are able to, let's say, sell one piece for 50 or 60 crowns. But you just give like two or five crowns to make it one piece. So it's an easy business. We've heard rumors that the Trdelnik business here is run by the mafia. Do you have anything to say to that? Well, <laughs> maybe in some place, you know. As I told you, it's easy way how to earn money. Just, you know, you have to pay like a hundred per hour to some Ukraine girls and they will sell it basically like every day. They will be happy. You will earn like millions a year. <laughs> and do you like Trdelnik? Well, I do a bit, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. Okay, so as it turns out, we found out that Trdelnik is actually a Hungarian dessert. So we asked some tourists around Prague what they think about Trdelnik. Yeah, so what is your name? Sven. Sven? And where are you from? Germany. Germany. Um, is this your first time in the Czech Republic? First time. First time? And Trdelnik, there's been a lot of stands here. Yeah. And is this your first one? It's the first one, yeah. Yeah. How do you like it? It's good. If we told you that Trnelik wasn't Czech and it was Hungarian, how would you feel? Uh, for me, it's no problem. Okay, perfect. I, li- <laughs> I like it. <laughs> no matter where it's from. <laughs> okay, we're currently one Trnelik deep into our Trnelik um, hunt. Uh, that was a pretty good Trnelik. I'd give it a uh, 
solid six out of ten. Not bad. Maybe ice cream would be better. Really? Yeah, it's ice cream hot day been here. Better. Hot day in Prague. Ice cream with Trdelnik is the next move. Yeah. So, what is your name? Manuel. Manuel. And where are you from? Germany. Germany. And what do you like about your Trdelnik? It's the first one I ever had, and I just had like something for lunch, and I wanted to have something sweet, and was quite right. And did you know that the Trdelnik is not actually a Czech dessert? No. It's actually from Hungary. Okay. And. Do you feel like you've been deceived? No, like <laughs> we've got something similar in Germany, like on the Christmas markets. It looks the same. We call it differently, call it tree cake, and yeah, I knew what I'm getting, so it was okay. We didn't find the mafia, but at least we got to eat some free Trdelnik. And what better to wash it down with than the premier soda of the Czech Republic, Kofola? I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it. Kofola is the rival of Coca-Cola and Pepsi in the Czech Republic. Ever since its creation under communism in the 1960s, Kofola has been the drink of choice for Czech citizens. Initially, the drink was created by the Research Institute of Medicinal Plants as an attempt to find new ways to use excess caffeine. Produced by coffee roasting. Following its introduction to the world, the drink became popular in Czechoslovakia because of its ability to substitute for Western soft drinks such as Coke and Pepsi, which were not available. Billy and Devine went to Rigrovi Sadi, one of Prague's most popular beer gardens, to ask relaxing Czechs which drink they preferred best: Kofola or Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola for sure. Really, really. What can you explain? Like maybe why, or like is it about the taste? Or? It's about the taste. It's not so sweet, and Coke for me is just too sweet. Okay. okay. It's, um, does it have any particular like uh, memories that it gives you from maybe childhood or anything like Kofola? I like the advertisements, but I don't know. From the childhood, I don't think it's connected to that. Okay. Uh, definitely Coca-Cola, and especially Zero or Light. It's great with a hangover. <laughs> okay. Um, is there any like particular like reason as to why you prefer Coca-Cola, or is it just? I grew up with Coca-Cola as a child, and I never liked it. It was too sweet, and I don't like sweet drinks. So co- diet Coke or Coke Zero. I don't even like Pepsi. I prefer both the same. Okay. And why? Because the, the tastes are completely different, and I enjoy sometimes this one and sometimes other one. And for you, Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola? <laughs> Coca-Cola. I prefer. Uh, tasty. Coca-Cola. Really? Um, do you have any particular reason as to why? What? Do you have any reason for why? I am used to drink it. Do you prefer Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola? I don't. I don't. I don't drink either. Oh, really? <laughs> Just beer. Thank you so much. <laughs> now you know why. <laughs> So it seems there's still a place in the hearts of Czech people for communist-era flavors. Pubs are an important staple of Czech culture. Aside from beer, Czech pubs have a legacy of serving seemingly disgusting and unique foods 
which may scare off the uninitiated observer. Naomi, Andy, and I met up with two authorities on Czech pub culture to guide us through and introduce to us some of these distinctive foods served in pubs and explain to us how they're enjoyed. So the first one, nakladiny hermelín. Hermelín is a kind of cheese similar to brie or camembert. They marinated in oil, spices, and onion. The next one is fried olomouské tvarušky. Olomouc cheese is a very aromatic, say smelly, smelly cheese that smells like wet socks on a warm day. And this is beer cheese. They actually served like this, but it should be mixed with beer to make a spread to eat on bread with bread. Less aromatic, less fermented, more smooth. You know, smoother but equally good. Yeah. And then we have sulz, which is well, why sulz actually? I don't know. I have <laughs> well, no idea. you know, uh, Czechs have a tradition that is called saviachka, the slaughter of the pig where they use basically every part of the pig that can be used for food. So sulz is made with the beets that they couldn't use anywhere else. And then the king of beer snacks, tartar steak. So we can begin. Good. So we can start with the beer cheese. Oh yeah, I have beer here. So you have to pour a little bit of beer from the cheese and, and mix it. And mix it. It's brought with onion, oil, herbs, and a couple of anchovies to make it nicer. So you mix it all until it becomes a uniform paste that you eat, that you spread on the bread. It has to look quite disgusting, actually. <laughs> but that's the fun of it. Beer cheese does, cannot look appetizing. If it does look appetizing, you've done it wrong. <laughs> so let's see what this one in particular tastes like. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, oh, God. Oh, this good. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll all have a taste. Yeah. Oh, you have to. Oh, you all have to, I guess. Yeah. Mm. I say it tastes a bit odd. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of an acquired taste. Do you get beer cheese often when you go to pubs? No. 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 Once a year, maybe. Yeah. Do you only get it once a year because it doesn't taste that great, or mm. is it just something that's sacred? No, it's uh, it's because of the type of a pub where I go now. I have to say, you know, I choose this pub because I know they get very good food, and even even the small like pub pub grubs, and they have a very good beer, you know. So this pub is excellent value in terms of food, beer, yeah. service. Yeah. The right thing if you want to bring someone to eat and drink. Yeah. 
and they got all the traditional traditional snacks you know so not not you don't have it everywhere exciting way to spend the evening. You better watch out how much you drink, or you might end up ordering something you regret. But the food you can find bought and sold is only scratching the surface on Czech food traditions, since food made in the home has greater significance on our perception of family relationships, as home cooking is a gift from someone who cares. To learn more about the role food plays in Czech family life, Shirley, Lily, and Jackie entered the home of Czech mother Lucia Gomodzova to bake and break bread. Czechs are really big about their bread. And for them, the bread is not just something to hold your ham or cheese together. Bread is the thing. Bread, bread is the thing that you need to taste. And uh, when there is an international delegation, there is still this tradition that that delegation is presented bread and salt, just that. And they, like usually they do the shtick, like, you know, the, the Czech national costume with all the ribbons and uh, like a nice bread woven basket that is presented to the delegation. So that's how important bread is for Czechs. And uh, I have quite a few friends who lived abroad, and usually what they say that they miss the most away from the Czech Republic was bread, because the, the soft kind of toast bread, that's sort of the standard in many countries, that's not bread for Czechs. You know, just to illustrate the point, the Czech Olympic, Olympic team that went to Korea actually brought their own baker who was making bread. And apparently the Czech house was really frequently visited even by the Slovak team because they really liked the bread. So, you know, like there was, the TV was showing the guy making the, the sort of the real Czech type bread. And what the, the, that bread is, originally is the sourdough bread. And what I have here is sourdough, which is kind of... Uh, it's basically fermented rye flour with water. And the process that goes on in there is sort of a, this wild fermentation because there are some like yeast particles that are even in the air. And it's sort of when the flour gets infected, it ferments and it doesn't, you know, and it, so it's this sort of yeast culture, but it also has some like lactic acid and other components. And... Uh, I sort of consider it my pet because you actually have to take care of it. You have to feed it like once every couple of days. You have to give it a little more lukewarm water and rye flour and mix it. And then it sort of bubbles up, as you can see on the side, these bubbles. That means that the yeast, the, the, those little tiny animals are active and they are doing their job. So is bread making something that a lot of Czech families do? There is actually this book that we all had to read as kids uh, called Grandmother by Božena Němcová, who was uh, this uh, 19th century author. And, uh, you know, it's definitely school reading stuff. And it's about, uh, you know, a grandmother who comes to live with her daughter and her children and sort of the life in a village in the 19th century. And there's actually a lot written about the bread. And, uh, you know, when they were making bread, they made, like, symbols of the cross, and they had to cut bread very specific way, and they have to really treat it with respect because it was considered a gift from God. 
I think, you know, like in the hectic 21st century, we are sort of coming back to some of these things. And, uh, and it's sort of, it's something creative. And I like that. Lucky for us, Lucia was gracious enough to give us a loaf of bread to bring home. Although Czech society has only recently opened its borders to foreigners, there's a burgeoning presence of new foreign restaurants and flavors across the city. Naomi Riley and I went to visit Juanita, a Czech-born Indonesian and the co-owner of the Indonesian restaurant Yavanka, to discuss what it was like to introduce Indonesian food, a cuisine vastly different to Czech food, and how Czech people have embraced it. Well, I was born in Prague. And I was here until my 15th, and then I went to Indonesia back again, and then to study in Holland, and there I found, I met a Czech man, so I'm here again. <laughs> what inspired you to open an Indonesian restaurant in Prague? What inspired me? Um, well, I, I always knew that the recipes my mother cooked at home are great, and that they're not known here. They were not known at that time at all here. There was some uh, Vietnamese food. It was just starting at the time. It was some five years ago. And people knew China, Chinese food, and some Indian, but no Indonesian. And we knew that it would be very difficult to put the Indonesian tastes to bring them out to the, to the public. But we knew that it was, it was good. You mentioned that the recipes that you have are from your mother. How does that feel to see the Czech people or like just people in general really appreciate like the food that your mother cooks as well? Yes, that's that's a very you know electrifying feeling. <laughs> it is really a very electrifying feeling, very good feeling to to just walk down the street and then you hear that somebody says, well, I'm into a rendang right now. <laughs> Because the rendang is uh, something that you won't, will never able to hear here before five years ago. So it's it's very nice that you, the things, the good things. If you you know this this is always the same. If you advocate good things, quality things, then it would it will find its its way. How would you describe the flavors of Indonesian food? I would describe it. Indonesian flavors are mostly made of the spices and the spices that are from underground. So it's uh, turmeric, ginger, galangal, lemongrass, cloves, uh, nutmeg. And the way that we are doing it here in, in our restaurant is the originally Javanese way and the Javanese people are into sweet so it is a little bit sweet so we use the palm sugar. I know how rich Indonesian food can be and how spicy it can be. Have you had to adapt certain dishes mm. to be able to fit the Czech tastes? Uh, no actually no we adapted to our taste <laughs> To artists, because we are two here. The the co-owner is Czech, which who used to live in New York and Sweden, and I used to live in Holland. So I know also the Suriname taste and uh, 
and Indian taste and so on. And we uh, adapted to our taste. So, and I think it's, it's uh, some kind of global taste. <laughs> It's good to know there are still people out there bringing the spice. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for joining us for another tasty episode of the podcast. We hope you've been satisfied. Podcast this semester was served up by Divine Williams, Lily Crandall, Jackie Espinosa, Ji Hun Yang. Jordan Portugal, Andy Mrosa, Lauren Tavares, Naomi Kro, Riley McEwen, Farsha Yurasi, and I'm Evan Hankey, and I'm Shirley Chayadi. Special thanks to Rob Cameron for organizing the podcast team and editing together the audio. Be sure to check out Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you later. We're off to get some Trudelnik and finally find the mafia.